Welcome to Donut Talks. Connecting dots, talks worth having. These are conversations that deepen our understanding, accelerate our learning, and ignite action towards a donut economy. We are Rita Alirejo and Stefan Verveng, two former Accenture Netherlands colleagues who became friends while singing on stage in a company band. La, 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 la. Today, we are independent professionals who connect on scalable learning towards a regenerative and distributive economy, inspired by the book Donut Economics. In this podcast, we facilitate our own learning journey and we hope to bring value to yours. After the massive success of our first series in Dutch, we have decided for this series to summarize and comment on each of the chapters of the Donut Economics book in Dunglish. And in all honesty, it was not really a decision, it's just something we could not escape. Donut Economics has a planetary scope and we need to connect globally. So instead of speaking Dutch, we'll give our best Dunglish a try. Create to regenerate. Rita. Hello. From growth, we'll clean it up again to regenerate by design. Yes. Design. Keyword. <laughs> yeah, we are all designers. Yes. Creatives. And economists. And we are everything. Homo <laughs> universalis. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, <laughs> you, you have figured it all out. Uh, Rita, you and I, we, uh, you know, we we're, we are recording these conversations also for prosperity and for eternity, of course. But it's always also nice to just uh, weave in a little bit of uh, um, stuff that's happening as we are recording these things, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, last week on Friday. We both attend, attended an event called Designing... Oh, we, we got a book. It's called Designing Activism. But the the event was called What Design Can Do. And yes. there was a radical design lab that was dedicated to donut economics. Yeah. Uh, R&D level, just ex- exploratory and just uh, trying to find out uh, what role creatives could play uh, within the donut economy. Yep. And uh, they invited for the lab uh, different types of profiles, so not just creatives, but also policymakers, people from business, um, independent consultants like us, or whatever we would be qualified as. But definitely donut, donut passionates. Yes, but say. also so, donut yeah. initiates, right? <laughs> Because they, they introduced the, uh, the model there. For many mm-hmm. people, they saw it for the first time, so they used the yeah. outer boundary and the inner boundary as uh, as a starting point. Uh, did a lot mm-hmm. of uh, creative, uh, non-linear uh, brainstorming on that. Had some triggers for yeah. that, but then also shifted to a, a more causal way of thinking uh, uh, after we were challenged for identifying certain key issues. And I must say, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I, I have had a more lasting impression from that event now that I've had a few days to reflect, is that mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, in my team there was a designer, there were many designers there, but there was a, just a product designer who was, you know, really uh, motivated to, um, to come up with uh, products that would fit, I think, a donut economy. Uh, mm-hmm. But I could all from, from his, the way he was talking and, and the way we were having our conversations, I could really tell that uh, there's a, a fierce struggle. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It's it's not that obvious, and it, it's in, informing in a way 
you know, uh, where we are at today mm -hmm. uh, and what is needed. And I think, well, I th I, I, a lot of words to say. I thought, I think it was very helpful to be there with you and with Cinzi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was good. It was good. It was good to see uh, more people passionate. Well, not, not perhaps not yet passionate, but very interested in learning more about donut economics. And it was also kind of um, informative in that sense to see that uh, we are still uh, all. Um, struggling with the same thing. So we, we were divided into five groups and we had to present both at the end of the morning and at the end of the afternoon what our, what our insights were and our call to action, if you will. And a lot of it was based around we should share, share, share yep. more of our stories, more what's needed. Mm -hmm. We should lead by example, uh, but not just the positive example, also the struggle to, to really try and define this roadmap together yep. towards a donut economy. And that, that it was super interesting to see that basically all five, uh, all five teams uh, had that, that type of result. So, so the conclusion was also that, that, that there is a big space for creatives to fulfill because they can keep it, they, they can uh, uh, make this topic more relatable to everyone within, within the value chain. So not, not just people, but but also policymakers, producers, businesses, uh, stakeholders, basically, because we all need this nudging towards action, uh, uh, transforming to a, to a donut economy. Yes, well, that's very true. And uh, I was reminded, actually, by recording, we are certainly nudging uh, ourselves uh, uh, between you and me. I think we're doing a great job on that. Uh, yes. But and, uh, and and in preparation for today's chapter, create to regenerate. Uh, we've been mm -hmm. both sharing a lot of links and references on our wiki, uh, mm -hmm. many videos and and more in-depth resources. More some I, I think in some cases maybe even already a bit more up to date than the book. Uh, mm -hmm. For some of the references, uh, things are moving. Right, we are. It's a yeah. living world out there. It is, uh, it is. So, yeah, it's all good. Shall, shall we dive in? Let's dive in. Yeah. So, uh, I think maybe it's good to start here uh, with this uh, idea of the environmental Kutznets curve. Yeah. So... Yeah, again, the basically the, the no pay, no gain story. Yeah. Where the, the hypothesis is that you just have to accept... Uh, the, deteriora the deterioration of climate or of nature in the first phase of your development as an economy. And then at a certain point, you will get this, um, uh, it, will, it will be developed enough so that uh, the pollution will decrease again uh, when uh, the economy still keeps growing. And the reasons that they give for that is that uh, people will start caring. Yeah basically sh sh said very shortly so citizens can afford to start caring yeah they move up the uh, the maslow's pyramid you could say yeah right. and and uh, also industries will start caring mm -hmm. and uh, will have uh, room and can afford cleaner technologies because of consumer also, demand <laughs> yeah and also the the manufacturing because of manufacturing shifts to services which, which is later on also in the same chapter basically debunked. The, the idea was because it's more service-oriented and less manufacturing, you have less pollution. 
but of course, this is, uh, she later talks that actually the, the data that was collected for this research, for this environmental Kuznets curve, curve was only uh, local air pollution and local water pollution. So it didn't take into account the global uh, CO2 emissions, for example, and other global uh, effects. So, um, and of course, when you, when you talk about manu manufacturing, for instance, being uh, moved towards surfaces, it's uh, on a global scale, it's basically outsourcing it to other countries. So perhaps within your boundaries, within your nation's boundaries, uh, there might be less pollution or it, it might stagnate the pollution, but it has basically been, been moved to other countries. Yeah. 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 Although the, the the shift towards services could very well be part of, of also be moving more to a, towards a circular economy, right? Um, yeah, she does talk about it being one of the circular strategies that you have at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, but uh, basically her big message is we all these things that we do see happening, we have to be aware of that they still all fall short. So, but it's basically may, maybe uh, um, moving uh, a few subchapters uh, ahead already. Yeah. But uh, well, I, I think uh, she does a very good job here at just basically reiterating that this idea, this idea of a Kuznets curve, of that first things mm -hmm. have to get worse, and then they before yeah. they get better. She debunks that idea also at the mm -hmm. environmental level. And then yeah. she shifts into, uh, you know, where we are currently, our current mm -hmm. normal uh, of a dege degenerative linear economy in which yeah. uh, energy and materials are uh, taken, made into products and services. They are used mm -hmm. uh, and then we lose those material uh, materials and energy in as waste heat and waste matter. And she calls that mm -hmm. the, uh, the caterpillar economy of degenerative yeah. industrial design. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we that, are at. And we need, <laughs> and we don't, any, and we want to move from a caterpillar economy to a butterfly economy, which is the, the circular economy, the symbol of the, one of the symbols of a circular economy, at least. Yeah. So, and I just also wanted to mention at the end of the Kuznets curve, the environmental Kuznets curve uh, chapter, she, she does refer to um, uh, a study that has been done that actually shows that, um, that uh, pollution has peaked and plateaued. Mm -hmm. But then she also says we must be aware that um, uh, the the level at, at which it plateaus is way too high. Uh -huh. So in the UK, this was a UK study, for instance, it plateaus at still an average of three planets mm. uh, for for all the consumption that that the UK citizens on average have. Oh, yeah. So we don't have three planets. So again, that that I think already. Um, mentions something that she, she uh, repeats later, uh, uh, several times in the chapter, we actually need really radical strategies right. to not just stop this development, but also move down from it and go back to the sustainable, we have enough uh, for uh, we have enough uh, just having one earth yeah. you know so yeah and that research it's, uh, it's quite a challenge that research you're referring to is done by chris goodall it's uh, mm -hmm. I, it, it, this is a, a reference i haven't looked up yet but that's an interesting one yeah yeah, yeah. okay thank you mm -hmm. 
So uh, she, she plays here again beautifully, I think, with the with the caterpillar image, which is of, of mm-hmm. a, it's a caterpillar. If you just imagine, it's also a line. It's linear, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whereas the the Im- the symbol and the image of a, a butterfly, it uh, it has two wings, and those two wings are uh, basically the uh, the two cycles that uh, are part of the. Uh, this, uh, the circular yeah. economy way of thinking. But before we go there, uh, she actually uh, she spends a bit more uh, time on this idea of doing business in the Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. for that, she uh, introduces a corporate to-do list. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a, an ambition ladder. I, I'm, I'm starting to use this idea of an ambition ladder in, 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 uh, in some conversations that I have. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we, we can have a, a range of ambition here. Uh, yeah. what's our, what does our ladder look like? <laughs> I, I like that f- uh, phrasing and framing better, actually, than a to-do list, because a to-do list just um, makes it a step-by-step approach uh, and she's actually against that step-by-step approach. Yeah. She says we, we need to transform and basically go straight to uh, to number five, be generous, which is the highest ambition on her on this to-do list. But your so your ambition list, or how, how did you call uh, it? Ladder. A, a a ambition a ladder. Uh, yeah. well, uh, the, the ambition ladder is a better... Yeah, because the, the first step on the ladder here is do nothing. That's hardly a to-do, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To do nothing. <laughs> Well, maybe it's, you know, it's a bit philosophical. Yeah. So, okay. First thing, to do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's also a little bit perhaps this, the cynic in in her mm. saying, okay, yeah, yeah. the first step basically is just doing yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly because, right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's probably, it's, it's maybe it's also a bit in order of what comes to mind, right? So, okay. What mm-hmm. could I do? Well... I could do nothing, okay. Exactly. <laughs> but then she she ups the ante a little bit, uh, doing what pays. So maybe there's a benefit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, just to uh, so for do nothing. Basically, it's it's a lot of a lot of uh, the majority of companies, perhaps still, mm. uh, who think that their business model works. Uh, sustainability is 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 a nice to have. Uh, so not something that they uh, that they need to do to um, maximize their shareholder return. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but she does mention that that also those companies will start to feel the threats within their own supply chain, chain because, for instance, uh, some resources might be becoming more scarce or more expensive. So, so that's also the, the bridge, if you will, that yeah. you see uh, some companies starting to do what pays yeah. because they see that the circular economy has potential for reducing their costs. Yeah, it could also be a matter of, of regulation, right? So that some so certain practices simply get banned. And if you, if you don't anticipate yeah. that, well, you're in trouble. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so that in, it actually already implies that better pay attention because, you know, staying out of trouble uh, is a benefit. Mm-hmm. So why not do what pays? Yeah, do what pays. And she also mentions that within the do what pays, there's also, so not just the cut your costs strategy, but also boost the brand strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which she also um, sidebars with a with a note saying uh, there's a lot of greenwashing washing happening as well with that boost the brand yeah. um, 
tactic. Yeah, I like how you you use the word strategy there. That there are different ways of achieving uh, that goal. I, I like that. Um, yeah, nice. So. So and then the th the third is do our fair share mm -hmm. or do your fair share. Um, and. Um, yeah, the problem with that, that's already a little bit more, but the problem with that is it's usually self-determined mm -hmm. because what is your fair share? And she compares it with um, with when you go with a group of friends to a restaurant and you try to split the bill. Yep. Uh, it's better to not be the last one to pick up the bill because you will always fall short. And so she says this this strategy or this ambition uh, on the ladder is uh, is also still falling short. Yeah, and 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 she also mentions that at a at a national government level uh, or or you know in 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 at a global level that self determined fair shares never mm. really get the job done for for performance yeah. at a at a national level. Yeah. And it can also the, the the other side of the medallion, if you will, is also it, it could be uh, read as take your fair share. So you have the right to pollute. Right. Um, so and that I think is, is a, a big contrast with with her the fifth letter in uh, on this ambition letter. Be generous where you don't just look at what you need to do, but. So it's not just about the right to pollute, if you will, but it's 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 actually totally not about the right to pollute, but it's about giving back. Yes. But before we get to five, there's also step four: mm -hmm. do no harm. And so this is the the mission zero level, if you will. Um, but then she also says about this one: it's it's still it's better, but it's also still you know still around be less bad in instead of do more good. Yeah. And so that's her step to, you know, if you really want to think about how to do more good, you have to be generous. Yeah, and I think up to level four here, it's it's still basically in the same idea that uh, it, it, in a way it feels like these are still uh, levels of optimization of existing ways of doing things. Maybe you, mm. you change certain ways of doing things. Yeah, it's very incremental. Yeah. Really like, you know, you do one step first. And, and, and I think, yeah, there's definitely a, a break in terms of how you choose or opt for it between the first four and the fifth. Yeah. The fifth is much more a purpose, like more of a strategic and a visionary choice yeah. than the first but four. It's, all, it's almost like you flip the model inside out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think when when she speaks of the uh, the butterfly of the circular economy, I guess uh, well the, the level five uh, fits that idea best. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But it yeah, also absolutely. it requires a, a complete rethink uh, from the bottom up. I think. Uh, and I, I, what I learned fr uh, in the in the workshop last Friday was that uh, apparently that she uh, gave mentions in presentations that companies are often. Oh yeah, we watched a video of her. Uh, that often uh, companies are born. Uh, at that level, right? So if you want to work in that way, you maybe have to have that embedded from the start. Yeah, or or be ready for a really big transformation because this is this is a huge step. Yes, to have that transformation, and and yes, I think the the examples that she does um, 
show in her in her talks usually are are businesses that have chosen this from the start. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 for a bit further down the, uh, the 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 chapter, there she gives a couple of examples from organizations that are on well not all on level five but but. Uh, uh, on, on various steps of the ladder, so it will be interesting to uh, to have a look and think about the the to do list. Yeah. So let's move to the circular economy uh, that she says is taking flight. Uh, so we're we're yes. shedding this caterpillar, this linear caterpillar, and we're now thinking in terms of cycles uh, and basically at the the very basic mo- model of um, of the butterfly economy uh, mm-hmm. she has two loops uh, one is uh, a loop in which biological nutrients are at the start mm-hmm. and another mm-hmm. loop in which technical nutrients are the foundation from which uh, products and services are created yes yeah and I noticed in the book she uses uh, just two circles, uh, so one for mm-hmm. each loop. Uh, so the, for the technical nutrients, they are made into products and services, which are then used. And they can then be restored, repaired, reused, refurbished, and recycled. Uh, mm-hmm. And where uh, for, for the biological nutrients, they are made into the products, uh, they are consumed but can then be regenerated uh, and at, uh, at each stage of the decomposition, uh, mm-hmm. value can be captured. And the whole idea is yeah. to minimize uh, lost matter and heat. Uh, but if, yeah. but if you look for this model uh, on the internet, um, and certainly if you you start following some of the resources sources she mentions later on in the book, like the open source mm-hmm. circular economy stuff, if you yeah. start looking at, at those websites, you will find diagrams that are more elaborate, because actually what mm-hmm. she uh, says here, um, like restore, repair, reuse, refurbish, and recycle, uh, mm-hmm. those uh, intervene at uh, different parts of a value chain. Uh, so uh, companies that are producing may not be the retailer or the maintainer of a product so um, so different uh, parts of the value chain uh, take on board uh, well different activities in that circular economy yeah 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 Yeah, that's that's why i think also perhaps in this chapter later on she talks about that that a better name would be the cycle cyclical economy yeah cyclical yeah instead of cyclical economy instead of the um, circular economy and she and she she also says you know talking about these niche strategies or these the 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 most popular business uh, circular business strategies at the moment like just you know provide access instead of uh, ownership Mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, within your own brand uh, refurbish and uh, resale if you if every company only tries to do that it will it will again fall short so she she's much more an advocate for a more open approach uh, which takes a lot of collaboration and transparency from from everybody in a in a sector or an economy so that we as nature can reuse nutrients in different ways so instead of a jacket being recycled to another jacket we just go back to you know textiles or perhaps you know 
even the the, re- the resources underlying that to so that a jacket can become uh, a tent, you know, which is produced by another company. So she doesn't want to close the loop within one company or even one sector. She wants to close the the, the Hoberman sphere, wants to close all these loops um, so that so that businesses work together much more openly and transparently. Ah, yeah. So that, that Hoberman yeah. sphere you now mentioned, uh, is that actually yeah. the... Uh, I know the, the object. Uh, I'm, I'll, I will mm-hmm. put the, uh, a, an image of that object in the, in the wiki. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a 3D... Uh, shape right uh, yeah. is actually she i know she you she uses it in presentations so it's stuck in my mind she does that very well yeah. but i didn't know uh, that she uses that to symbolize the uh, the circular or, or cyclical economy yeah absolutely but that's what you're saying it's, it's yeah yeah it's not so that's why she's kind of against or not so much against but not so much a fan of the phrase close the loop mm-hmm. because it's it's a lot of loops right. and it's not just so if companies are only focused because they are they are concerned about their IP for instance they, so they just want to stay within their walls within their value chain and close only their loop mm-hmm. uh, it will fall short because we don't have time to close all these individual loops so she's much more an advocate of let's design a system where we where we can share uh, via through this open model, um, all the resources because a, a tree when when a leaf falls from a tree, it doesn't necessarily become another tree. It might become um, yeah, <laughs> for instance. So so Likely. nature does not close loop. Nature works in like a home. Well, uh, exactly. I, I, I think yeah. well, you know, uh, the, the the loop may eventually be closed, but it's it's more like mm-hmm. a network uh, of, yes. of uh, it's yes. much more yeah. network. It's it's uh, well, in any way, case not linear <laughs> that's yeah, not linear. that's the whole point right <laughs> but i, I think the, not, not even a linear circle <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah exactly because otherwise that's just a you know you bend the line into a circle yeah. and it's but it's in a way still linear you, you just follow yeah. but it's much more complex than that you can take all sorts yeah. of side avenues uh, once you're exactly. a nutrient yeah. you can become whatever you want <laughs> exactly Ooh. that's so that's her message with the, with the circular economy yeah. i feel and another, I think another interesting part that she mentions in this chapter is that uh, we will also reevaluate where the value lies. So the value is not with the through flow of products and services, but the wealth is, is with their recurring source. So now, you know, it's, it's uh, value in, in the linear economy is added with each step in a value chain. So you have uh, somebody who mines resources, then yeah, that's, that's exactly like, for instance, what, what value-added tax is about. Then, you, then there's value-added because of uh, transport or manufacturing or retail or whatever. And she says that that model will actually shift to valuing the source of wealth, which is the assets, people, the biosphere, and knowledge. And eventually... The regenerative power of life, which is powered by the sun, that's the only thing that will persist. Because even assets, people, biases, and knowledge, in in essence, will will always move or will, will always be outdated or, you know, die and live again. So there's, there's, there's this life cycle with all these assets. And the only thing that's lasting is this regenerative power of life powered by the sun. 
quite a philosophical piece uh, in there. I don't know if you've uh, if you've read it, but well, uh, I, I haven't certainly haven't read it in this way, and I, I've done it in uh, again with uh, the audiobook uh, and, and partly mm-hmm. mixed with the uh, <laughs> the text uh, at one point seven five times the normal speed, which is it works, but uh, <laughs> uh, it really does work. But uh, uh, what you just said there, uh, I think there's. Uh, yeah, we, I, I learned something from that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and I, 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 I find it super fascinating. I don't see necessarily yet how exactly that shift will occur. But for me, it's definitely a point worth investigating more. Like how, how again, you know, can we, can we go? How, how would that look like if you would not value steps within a value chain, but you would value the resource and, and i think there's an overlap i mean definitely there's an overlap if, if you would just you know even if, if you look like assets and people of course those are the things that usually within a value chain add the value mm-hmm. so it's not that it's typically different but it, it is perhaps more of an acknowledgement of of where is this value actually coming from perhaps it's more of an uh, awareness exercise of where the value is actually coming from mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, I, I never really understood the value-added tax, to be honest. Uh, I, I was always very much, uh, well, puzzled by it, because it would seem to make... So, uh, why, want it, it, it would, why would you want to burden adding value? Why, <laughs> why don't you want to facilitate adding value? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, good question, I guess. But that's also what, what later on in the chapter she says, you know, um, also as a government thinking about taxes, we should think about what, you know, what should we tax instead of what can we tax? Yes, and what is added think, value anyway? I mean, that's the whole point, right? <laughs> yeah, well, added value, I mean, added value, yeah. Yeah, if I sell you it's crap, that you, can... you bought it. <laughs> There, added value. You bought it, and and therefore it was value. Yes. Because there was a buyer, right? Yes, I think the problem is that in many cases it's not, uh, you know, genuine value. But then it's also not tech. Yeah, but yeah, okay. But but I think, and it's a simple rule when you have a buyer. Yeah, that's the only... Apparently it had value. Yes. It had value for the buyer. Yes, somebody's (laughs) buying it. And so it it. can be tech. Yeah, so as long as we make sure there are no alternatives... Then apparently, a, a value is being added. Uh, yeah, as long as you have buyers, as long as there's a market, yeah, sure. Yeah, just make sure that they yeah. don't have an alternative. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, so go for monopolies. Oh, well, yes, of course. Yeah, I think this is very much the case. And, uh, and uh, uh, when you, you said that about the, the valuing the source, right? It, I think it goes mm-hmm. back a little bit to this idea of. You know, uh, what are you selling? Are you selling the, the goose or the the eggs, <laughs> right? Or the mm-hmm. goose with the golden <laughs> eggs? I mean, better. It's so easy to uh, to gradually slaughter the goose, uh, you know, the, if that seems to be the most... Um, um, well, it is what, what we are doing. Well, yeah. You know, we're, we're exploiting a lot of these assets. And so instead of treasuring them, instead of valuing these assets, we're exploiting them. We're extracting the value out of them. 
and then once they're you know once we're finished with them we're finished but that's not that's not circular or that's not that's not sustainable no. and so i think that that perhaps is also something that she wants to say with okay we need to value the sources of which value is created yeah so we take better care of all these sources yep. so and and there from from here on with the the, the circular economy taking flight she uh, she flies us into the generous city Yes. Right, um, and there's this, actually this lady. I found a presentation uh, by her on YouTube, Janine Benius, uh, who has a vision on what she calls generous cities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have noted it in the wiki as a thing to uh, look into more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the one from the biomimicry stuff as well. Yeah. Right? So she, yeah. Ask nature. Yeah, ask nature and you know, let also, and this was also earlier in the, in this chapter, uh, let nature be your model, your measure, and your mentor. Right, yeah. Which uh, I also loved. I also loved that. Yeah, because here she, she starts to first paint a picture like of, you know, uh, so if we're moving into this circular economy, what is the impact for cities? And I must say, uh, for some reason, uh, for me, it's easier to think about circular economy in rural areas, uh, because there you have land, uh, and not so much in cities. Uh, I guess the really yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I have I have <laughs> some things to learn here. Yeah, uh, of course, there's a lot of potential to do things in cities, but um, uh, well, th- stuff. I love that you start there because that 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 to me says that for for circularity, you are you um you move to beginnings which is something that's actually lacking when you when we talk about circular circular economy it's still a lot of waste management yeah. recycling and when you talk about waste and recycling it's much more in cities than in, in rural areas but but real circularity starts with design start with with beginnings so in that sense uh, I like that you say that it uh, it resonates more with you to think about it in a rural rural context. Yeah, but also because well, I I believe that in <clears throat> in rural areas people are just doing things that are similar. Maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the the compost composting, uh, you know, working with natural cycles. <clears throat> of course, there's a lot that mm-hmm. can be improved there, but but these yeah. people are in the business of this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're <well>. not <laughs> there's a there's a lot of bio uh artificial how do you say it uh, f- factory farming in the well there is uh, <clears throat> but the, which, which is a hot topic at the i know moment, i know but, but, <laughs> but the point is that the consumers live in the cities uh and yeah. and the people that have the knowledge of the current production system hands-on mm-hmm. Uh, in a very realistic way, they live in the rural areas. I mean, it's nice to plant a couple of trees in a city, but it, it, it to make mm. the city look pretty. But mm. uh, the real—that's not where we'll uh, get those two uh, uh, planets. Uh, <laughs> you know, we need to uh, save two planets to get to a plateau mm. of just you know burning one planet, and we won't do it by putting some extra trash cans in the city. Um, I'm I'm exaggerating here. Not, yeah, yeah, I know I know you are, but but the the biggest problem is actually uh, uh, I think in cities. I'm not sure though. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm speaking before I actually learn something. But 
<laughs> but a lot of the population now already also worldwide and 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 also and definitely in the years to come because urbanization is is on the, still on the rise mm-hmm. a lot of the population live in cities and we people are are the the biggest waste the biggest consumers and the ba- biggest waste generators and the, the biggest in everything so i feel you can't you can't i think regenerative cities is is very uh, important to think and it's not to exclude the other it's always always a, an and and right but yeah i think regenerative regenerative cities and um and the necessity for those is uh is something that's um really real yeah and, and, and i think so. what's interesting is that it, in the way uh, kate describes this vision of a generous city is that's the first thing she does is move to the to the edge of the city uh the area mm-hmm. outside of it uh, yeah. To see what's going on there, uh, because that's yeah. basically where a lot of resources are uh, can uh, potentially can be transformed into services for the city, and this is very much mm-hmm. thinking in terms of ecosystem services. Mm-hmm. And I know that yeah. there that is limited in itself, but it's 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 a level up on the ladder, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think there's an interesting example she mentions here. I missed it the first time we read this, but um, Sundrop Farms in. Uh, Australia, mm-hmm. did you notice that one? Yeah, I've highlighted it, but uh, not sure what it actually does. Well, I, I looked up mm-hmm. a video. Uh, they recently mm-hmm. acquired a, a massive investment from a big investment company, uh, but um, uh, uh, for scaling up because they they have a proven model now. But they work with these uh, solar mirrors to concentrate solar energy. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't use it for photosynthesis. They generate steam with it, and with that power, a, a greenhouse that uh, works with desalinated seawater uh, to grow tomatoes uh, in Australia, oh. and they do that uh, very effectively. Uh, clo- oh. and, I, and and I think I maybe I'm assuming this, but I, I think they do it close to a city, so mm-hmm. they you know provide a way of. Um, fulfilling a part of the need for food in the city nice. but in a in a completely let's say closed cycle uh, I think that's very interesting and for for the Netherlands she mentions park 2020 in Amsterdam as at least a business park that is decided designed on cradle to cradle principles yeah yeah well I wouldn't I would say it's Hofdorp it's a metropolitan region Amsterdam uh, but, uh, yes yes it's all Amsterdam right Utrecht's Amsterdam it's, uh, <laughs> Utrecht's Amsterdam as yeah. well Amsterdam um, area yeah 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 the park 2020 it's a, it's, a, it's a very nice uh, business park indeed um, did you also see that paragraph it's actually one that I, I really liked I uh, underscored it uh, a little bit extra this time reading uh, where she connects this regenerative city idea with also the distributive uh, city idea, uh, because the last chapter, of course, was being distributive by design, mm-hmm. which was this kind of like a, Im- an imagination of what it could be. So she says, imagine if such a regenerative city were also distributive by design, renewable energy microgrids would turn every household into an energy provider. Yeah. Affordable housing connected by dedicated public transport routes would make the cheapest form of travel the fastest. Mm-hmm. 
Neighborhood enterprise hubs would allow parents to be parents again by bringing the workplace and home closer together for women and men alike. And given that its life-regenerating infrastructure would be high-touch, as Benius calls it, it would need people to continually tend, steward, and maintain its regenerative capacity, yeah. so creating purposeful, skillful jobs in the process. I love that chapter. Yeah. I thought that's that's the city that I want to see. Yeah, well, yeah, it's in, it's very interesting because if if you look at uh, you know the the powers that drive urbanization, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, there's a huge tension going on here. I think because uh, there's a good reason why in the in the current economic system a lot of the pro, uh, the large scale production activities have moved are pushed out of the city. Right, everything is mm-hmm. gone large scale. Uh, so scaling down and 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 having uh, production activities happen in the city uh, mm. may put the city at odds with uh, attracting well capital in the way that it is used to mm-hmm. uh, currently. Um, yeah, but perhaps thinking of regions more than cities. Mm-hmm. What what's ba- what basically is also happening now. Um, uh, is is an answer to to have it both ways. Let's say you know to be attractive as a region, cooperate with all the cities that are within that region, uh, the metropolitan area, if you will, uh, as we call it in in the Netherlands. And perhaps for our, for our international <laughs> audience, we have to remind them that the Netherlands only has quite small cities. Well, we're not we're not like a it's not a London. Amsterdam is not a London right. or a Paris or, right. or a New York. So if we if we talk region. It, it it could be in you know in in, in like, like surface area it still could be uh paris you know or, or new york yeah 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 but we are we are a small country yeah course. that's a, that's and a so, very good point yeah. actually yes our cities are in a way <laughs> maybe still well maybe that's uh, at a scale that is actually uh it's nice yeah it's it's it's, it's an advantage for us it, i I, th- I believe i believe yeah. so yes and 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 we were thinking about the the design uh what design can do event we attended there was a designer there who presented a uh, solar energy powered uh, glass house uh, greenhouse mm-hmm. that could be fit on top of skyscrapers uh, for mm-hmm. producing food i think it was a bit of a, yeah. a you know utopian project but it looked very beautiful <laughs> uh, it looked amazing yeah, yeah. just imagine yeah. you walk on top of uh, to the top of the uh, or take the elevator to the top of the skyscraper yeah. to pick some fresh tomatoes <laughs> yeah well and, and i think the, the the bigger message of her pitch was that you can make solar panels invisible yes and beautiful you, know, you can you can and beautiful yeah. it can be the colored glass uh, in your window or, or or not colored glass actually in your window yeah. it can be perhaps the curtains it can be the tiles on your uh, on your roof so it can have a lot of shapes uh, and sizes to to really be integrated within a city and so in, in that sense have like multiple uh, ways of harvesting energy from the sun yeah so moving back to this idea of, of valuing uh, mm-hmm. she says that this uh, a vision like this um, these regenerative cities they, they mm-hmm. demand a generous economist yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and so and what she and what she means by that is well, we, we have to rethink 
again the economy it's it's not a new message in her in her book but so where she mentions before in chapter three or two actually i think it was when we when we talked about seeing the bigger picture and she talked about all these different roles within the embedded economy she's going back to that again and saying so we we, we have to redefine those roles and 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 see how we can make all these roles more regenerative yeah yeah because everything still is so much focused on just one value, the financial value for just one interest group, the, sh the shareholders. And how can we go from this one value to, to uh, 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 um, many diverse benefits um, and many diverse ways of uh, measuring value? Yeah. And I must say, uh, I think this this particular part, uh, this generous, generous economist, uh, it also, uh, I think it calls for a bit of um, hope, optimism, maybe some belief uh, in, in mm -hmm. people that have a, a function in economics, in, in policy mm -hmm. development, uh, or, or mechanism design, if you will. Uh, because uh, And, and I, w I experienced this myself as I was reading it, because uh, I was sharing this with you before we started recording, that... Uh, although I, I am, you know, uh, I think open source design is a great thing, uh, and many of the uh, tenets get described in the book, you know, they, I think they are very, very appealing. But then again, over the over the years, I've seen perceived at least very slow development, and and and, and maybe have gotten a bit. Um, uh, disappointed uh, so uh, mm -hmm. and with that comes a mindset of you know yeah you know it may happen in this lifetime or <laughs> whatever or maybe the <laughs> earth will explode but 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 if you don't have that sense of optimism and 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 i guess mm -hmm. a bit of it's a bit of a leap of faith as well well it's a it's a sense of activism right do you remember right. yes this was something that she mentioned when when we when we saw her at circle mm -hmm. Uh, this past year that that she was asked are you an optimist are you a pessimist or it's it's something that she's actually asked quite frequently i think yeah. and then she answers no i'm i'm i'm, I'm neither I'm, I'm not that optimistic that i i i just lay back and say oh there's no problem but i'm also not that pessimistic that uh i think you know there's no there's no hope i'm an activist yes. And I think that's that's key, you know. We what what other choice do we have actually than to be activists? We have to try. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, perhaps yeah, we don't yeah, know the yeah. outcome and we can't guarantee the outcome, but we have to try. It's our responsibility to try. Yes, but this I, I guess this implies that uh, you know on a daily basis there's uh, you always have a certain have to have a certain stance or a way of relating. Mm -hmm with the things that you're learning uh, just knowing that uh, you know it's it's not a static situation at all things are shifting mm -hmm. all the time but certain principles uh, can be you know monitored can be promoted uh, and and mm -hmm. but in order to do this and work against the 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 the, the friction you may encounter for this you need mm -hmm. to have a certain mentality let's say uh, and uh, yeah. I guess, uh, well, this is my association anyway with this, this idea of a generous economist. It's someone that um, knows how to value these developments and, and is, is sensitive for finding the right leverage points within, you know, your own scope of, uh, of mm -hmm. uh, impact. 
Yeah, I think definitely, I think throughout the book, she always stresses that, you know, all of us, uh, all of us as individuals can have our, have our role to, to pick up or to execute or, and have, have these opportunities to pursue. So she's very much for uh, all these small actions that together can make a big impact. But I feel also within this specific chapter, she also appeals to economic economists as uh, you know people that uh, that that study economics or that uh, are in academia at the moment mm-hmm. and she, yeah. she appeals to them because those are the people that actually know the current system perhaps better than than most and can can really be instrumental in in redesigning this these systems because they're not they're not simple yeah and they need they need this these expertise of these different economists. So she's she's also I think in this chapter appealing to her to her fellow economist by trade, let's say, mm-hmm. to to step up and to rethink the economy that we are in because a, a regenerative industrial design which we see happening now. Like for instance, you know, also uh, things like Part Twenty Twenty and all these different different startups that are that are happening now. All these cool solutions that we see, they are still not supported by the current economic design. Yeah. They need much more patient capital. Yes, that's it. And that's just not the case. Yeah. So we 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 need economists as well to help redesign these systems. These are not simple systems, and of course, it can be helped. And, and redesigned in a way by, by a lot of experiments. And I think those experiments are like the R&D lab of society, if you will, mm-hmm. to, to see uh, what, what strategies we can apply and things that work, things that don't work. And we need, to, we need to do them, we need to execute, we need to fail, and we need to share failures and successes. But from, from a core standpoint, uh, f- feeding into perhaps uh, policymakers that, that are in power or, or business leaders, uh, we need these these economists that are much that are perhaps more uh, into their specific field and can really help um, harvest all these insights from all these different experiments and translate them to to theories that can be applied then to a, to a much bigger scale. Okay, I think you just uh, talked about a new bucket list item for me. I I'd yeah. like to talk with. Uh with a practicing economist uh, that 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 is is attempting to make a change uh, examples mm. so not like the the, the textbook writers uh, mm. but but people i don't know at a municipal level mm-hmm. uh, or maybe national that are implementing policies but also are monitoring right with living metrics as we will touch on a bit later here uh i'd I'd like to uh, learn more about the practice of doing this cool yeah yeah definitely worth yeah so what it is like uh, from the trenches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the the moving on, you mentioned mm-hmm. the societal R and D lab, right? Uh, well, mm-hmm. she this is what she says. Uh, the uh, we're in a redesign process that will not emerge from textbook theory, but from innovative exp- innovative experiment of those who are trying to bring it about. And that uh, <clears throat> there she starts to talk about the open source circular economy movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I must say uh, that looking at that a bit more, uh, I was a bit um, 
yeah, confronted with the idea like, wow, these are very basic production processes. Uh, and apparently that is a leverage point that is worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we... Um... Well, well, there's just different ways. Different ways. I think she she mentions she says principles of open source are a good and straight fit for the circular economy. Mm-hmm. If if we really want the circular economy to move beyond these, you know, these highly uh, propagated and advertised uh, strategies like uh, we need access and zero waste manufacturing and. Uh, what else are these niche uh, little things here? Raised manufacturing uh, services instead of products, refurbishment, resale. Those will all fall short. So we need an open source design that would be preferable to really unleash this potential of everybody in the economic system. And the principles of open source that, uh, that make it so are that it's modular. So, you know, you, everybody can just take what, what is needed. And also in our production processes, we need these smaller things that we can, uh, in a modular way, then combine together in bigger things. Mm-hmm. It has uh, uh, open source has open standards. Yep. So we see, so we fix on just one set of standards so that we can use that modularity. It's open source and it's open data. And, and all of them are tied together by transparency. So these are the principles of open source, which make it such a such a nice fit of circular uh, for circular economy. Yep. Uh, she does mention though that this is probably not something that will be embraced by business. Well, I was thinking that you know I think for some certain uh, very basic needs this could work, uh, or this could work. I I can see this work, but as soon as you know, uh, in production, certain tolerances, uh, quality levels need to be met. You you will end up in commercialized processes. Uh, in no time, I think it's it's just hard work to get things done at a at a qualitative level, mm-hmm. which is a competitive factor, which is something you will not <laughs> actively share unless it's out of uh, well pure generosity. But um, yeah. yeah, generous economy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, and and it depends what 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 is your level of ambition again, mm-hmm. right? If you have an invention and you're just happy with you know um your market is just uh the people in your small local town what 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 damage is there if you would share this um open source so that all other towns and cities can benefit yeah. from it yeah yeah you know it, it it's just not that uh um i'm a startup and i want to be the next google and next apple and i want to dominate the world mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all these. I think this model also uh, goes along with the idea of a lot of small enterprises. You know, small, medium-sized enterprises yeah. that just cater, that have enough by catering their local markets. Yeah, and and then on a global scale, you can benefit a lot if we if we share this uh, these knowledge commons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I must say, uh, she, in this section, so, so on the one hand, she describes, uh, you know, uh, production capacity, how that is open sourced, how you can. <laughs> Excuse me. Huh. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I won't cut that out. That was a. Uh... 
<laughs> a donut sneeze. Uh, no, but uh, on the one hand, she, she she refers to these production processes, and on the other uh, hand, she also refers to uh, strategies from nature uh, for the design mm-hmm. of some of these ideas. So, um, yeah. and I, I like that idea that you can be. And we talked to a lady who who was uh, who mentioned frugal innovation to us. Uh, last uh, mm-hmm. weekend yeah. um, frugal innovation big shout out to Janet if you're listening yes hello Hi. Janet <laughs> thinking of you because well you know maybe uh, uh, working with uh, strategies that we find in nature we can find approaches that are you know uh, conservative in resource use and oh absolutely yeah, yeah that's that's again the biomimicry mimicry thing and mm-hmm. uh, the, the work that Janine Benius is, is doing when she said when she says and talks about uh, take nature also as your mentor she says nature has been experimenting for 3.8 billion years it's the biggest R&D lab that we know mm-hmm. of so why not look at nature because nature has figured figured out how we can do things efficiently and effectively and resilient and you know robustly and sustainably so we should definitely look at nature and she also uh, uh, in this chapter talks about i need to i need to uh, look at that website the asknature.com yeah. website yeah. it's inspiring which is, yeah yeah which has also been put in place to basically protect nature's uh, intellectual property if you will and make it and keep it publicly available yeah yeah that's a very nice website I checked it out. Um, so from here on, she she moves on to now that we have uh, you know uh, have a, a big vision of ge- regenerative cities. Uh, we have ways of transforming through an open source circular economy with generous economists. Uh, we are now ready for to redefine the business of business. What is it about anyway? Yeah, well, it's not just we are ready for, it's also saying, you know, open source is almost like it's her ideal picture, mm-hmm. but she recognizes that it will not be picked up by business. So she proposes, okay, so what if we would just take this business approach? What is needed? And so what, what is needed that we that we do redefine the business of business so and, and define it in a way that business can be a part uh, of the community and contribute to community and be part of a thriving world. Yeah. And she talks and she then talks about the different uh, uh, corporate entities that you could adopt to uh, incorporate that more. Uh, there, there, is, I yeah. have to say, though, that the reason I said it like that was that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it helps. Uh, when you you are starting a business or uh, having a certain business idea in mind, uh, you do need to know uh, what is possible, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. If 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 the the things that we're talking about, if that is very niche and doesn't mainstream, um, how would people that are aspiring new entrepreneurs how would they come up with ideas that build on it, right? So uh, and and it because it may also allow you to establish a different kind of business than you would do traditionally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least I like to believe that it works that way. Otherwise, it's more like follow the follow the herd. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So anyway, uh, she she moves on to uh, to to uh, refer to values driven mission statement. Uh, yeah. and, and defining a company's living purpose. 
Uh, and really, uh, and I like that a lot, is that uh, she, she, she says, well, uh, basically, um, if you want to work in this direction, you should really uh, embed it in your corporate bylaws or articles of yeah. association and define the organization itself with a living purpose rooted in regenerative and distributive design and then live and work by it. Yeah, she she mentions it. It's the most profound act of corporate responsibility for any company today. Yeah, is to do that. Is to rewrite it or write it in the bylaws. Yeah, and really uh, make sure that it uh, stays has a secure place in there, so it can be adhered to. Yeah, so it's not just a bumper sticker. Nope. <laughs> and uh, someone, and then uh, if that's the direction for business, uh, a business like that also needs finance and she then goes on to talk about the work of john fullerton mm -hmm. uh, yeah she doesn't mention all his principles no or at least uh, uh reading it again again quickly before this podcast i didn't see all of them so that's definitely something that i would want to learn more about it's quite interesting that somebody who, who had it uh what bank jp morgan i think was it that he had it. Yeah, he worked at J former yeah, former managing director at J.P. Morgan. Yeah. yeah. Now has uh, well dedicated his uh, a lot of work also in how to redefine finance. Yeah. So that uh, to me, actually, that's the bucket list item. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's the Capital Institute uh, thing, right? That uh, that's his work. Uh, okay. I think it was already somewhere on the bucket list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. It's uh, it's uh, it has a, an an additional uh, weight in the bucket list now. <laughs> well, speaking of leverage points, I mean, this is the whole point, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you want to inspire entrepreneurs to uh, to work in the direction of a regenerative economy, uh, you mm -hmm. need to have a sense uh, that there is also feasibility, right? So uh, one exactly. thing is yeah. to say, well, you need to have a certain risk appetite, sure. <laughs> but it's very—it's certainly helping uh, a lot if, if you have the sense that you're not going against all the currents of of, eco uh, of, of the dominant economic thinking, right? It's yeah. you need to have some backing. Yeah, well, we—it's a—it's a multidisciplinary uh, uh, endeavor, you know, uh, doing doing uh, uh, re, you know recreating or creating a, a business that and a business model that it, that fits uh, the new economy, the donut economy, and within this multi multi uh, disciplinary endeavor, endeavor, we need also the the ca the the capital providers as partners. Yep. Uh, so we, it's not, but but they won't be the the dominant uh, player in that sense anymore. You know, the finance should not be dominating; it should be serving. Mm -hmm. And so, also, also investors in this new model of teamwork are are just as any other valuable stakeholder. They are serving, and they're serving a bigger purpose, and they're much more in. I think uh, more of a. Uh, an equal ground with all the other stakeholders that are just as important. Yeah, a stakeholder like the partner state. Yeah, yeah. Right? Bring on the partner state, she says. Uh, Bring it on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here we get into, uh, well, the various redesign options for uh, for taxes. 
Yeah, we mentioned those uh, in previous chapters, I think, as well. So, But she does say, you know, the partner state should really step up and uh, promote regenerative alternatives, restructure taxes and regulation, step up as transformative investor uh, and empower the dynamism of the commons. I think it's it's kind of like a recap of what she mentions in this uh, chapter to the embedded economy. Yeah, and here she she refers to the Oberlin project, uh, yeah. something a project that happens at a at a at a city uh, scale. Um, but I uh, that that one is actually oh the bucket list key is overflowing. But <laughs> I think the the, the Oberlin project is definitely uh, worthwhile to dig into a bit more. Also because yeah, apparently yeah. in the, for that project. Uh, 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 it's it's based on a lot on systems thinking insights, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm very curious uh, what those what what the analysis was and and what they did with the outcomes. It's basically uh, maybe an example of of what she describes here as a, as the direction yeah. of regenerative cities. We should try and, and and find somebody who who's been closely involved with this project to see if they can uh, yeah. give us an interview. Yeah, and it shouldn't be too hard that actually. Be amazing. Yeah. yeah, it shouldn't be too hard. I think, uh, and 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 what something that the Oberlin project also does uh, is actually they have a a website with an online dashboard where you can see some of mm-hmm. the real time energy consumption and uh, I think you you, uh, you you know do you know this term uh, the um, uh oh come on <laughs> the the city metabolism that that mm-hmm. a city city as an organism has a metabolism yeah. and that actually you know the intake and excretion uh mm-hmm. of fluids and and resources etc can be measured and that's actually something they uh, have on a dashboard for Oberlin mm-hmm. in real time oh. um and uh but so also for all citizens to see how are we doing uh, yeah. And I think that's very interesting. Yeah, and empowering as well to have it so transparently, and you just get you. I think more ownership of the citizens as well if you share it with them. It's just like a shared endeavor. Yeah, and I, I like the how Kate here describes you know the the, the or uses the term living metrics. So the, you know it's not a static uh, snapshot of some values. Mm-hmm. In this case, you can see the dynamic flows of the city as well. Um, and when, but I think she also describes living metrics in a sense that the way we should monitor uh, initiatives like this um, it requires invention of the monitoring system itself as well. Uh, although there are already some uh, interesting uh, initiatives like the, the Economy for the Common Good, B Corp, uh, Impact Reports, and the Multi Capital Scorecard. And mm-hmm. others, uh, and of course, in an accounting, uh, are there are initiatives like uh, true price costing, mm-hmm. uh, and many others. Yeah, I think in the in these type of inter- enterprises, it's it's um, definitely important to determine with with the group, with the community, mm-hmm. which metrics you want to measure. Yeah, because because a, a metric only has value if if the, the ones trying to achieve them or trying trying to you know get to the target that you set that, that, that they feel they feel a connection to that they yeah. feel they feel an ambition to to achieve that target so yeah. it's it's very important to just determine these metrics 
and and tailor them to the to the community that that uh, you know picks picks these challenges up yeah good point uh, yeah totally true i mean uh, of course for for finance uh, and reporting uh, to to wider communities you may need to report on certain standardized metrics which may at mm-hmm. some point become a bit sterile but i agree mm-hmm. that the directly affected stakeholders should uh, be able to relate to what's being reported in a in a very uh, palpable way something that they yeah. feel that is relevant to them yes like apparently the oberlin project is doing cool yeah um, we're at the end amazing not yet <laughs> chapter seven we passed an hour again. yeah yeah yeah. oh yes oh well we're we're done for today but there's still chapter seven of course there's still chapter seven yeah we're at the end of this chapter there's still chapter seven and perhaps we're going to organize some kind of uh celebrating the end of this cycle yes uh, again. we That'd should we, i mean we're getting yeah. totally brainwashed really uh, now I mean now every I, I feel still feel like it's growing on me every time we're we're doing more with this uh, it, it it sinks mm-hmm. in deeper that is good yeah. uh, and now but now the next chapter is oh now we don't have to care about growth as much anymore being agnostic well, about growth we should care but we should be well we should be agnostic we should be we should uh, think about it per per situation per context yeah and. Um, yeah, and that will be the final chapter of the book. So uh, exciting because I'm also excited to start with our bucket list. So what you mentioned with your bucket list is uh, you would like to learn more about... The Oberlin Project. What was it again? Well, it was one the one before. You mentioned something. Oh, well, uh, the, well there's yeah. also John Fullerton with the Capital Institute, right? right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's that. And... Ooh... I'd ha- I'd have to listen back to what we were saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's one I remember this. You remember it too, right? But I just uh, it's late. <laughs> yeah, and it, it and it's a lot. But I must say, also in the second yeah. reading, my gosh, uh, how much more we're we're getting out of it. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm still not bored with it, um, but it's just I love it that it's it's this umbrella, and I, I you know I wish more people would read it because she is, she's really in, she's she's giving you a foundation, she's giving you context, she's giving you direction, but there's just so much space left for exploration, yeah. not just not just on the theory front, but there's also so, so such a big invitation to just uh, experiment, and that's why I think she's also working on her action lab at the moment. Yeah. There's really enough to do, so you know. I, hopefully, I, I, when you say also, that, sorry uh, to interrupt, but I think when you yeah. say that, uh, I think for mm-hmm. many people, maybe the in, uh, the theoretical part uh, may not be that important at all. Actually, I know the mm-hmm. one lady I asked to listen. She said, "Well, you know, I enjoyed mm-hmm. listening, but uh, knowing everything about all these theories, really, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't be, I couldn't care less. I have a business to run, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and I think in a way, you know, this book, uh, she, all the theories." she she involves in making her case it's also mm-hmm. there to give it of course a, a well-rooted uh, foundation uh, but mm-hmm. i think uh, for for practitioners uh, you, you i think there's a space for like a light version of the book where you strip out all mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, the light version is already there. It's the donut, you know. There's an ecological well, ceiling and there's a social foundation. Yeah. And it has it has certain categories. Both of them are defined. No, no. In a I'm way, thinking more know? in terms of a manual for activists. 
This is not a manual for activists. This is a this is a university for activists. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but maybe we could just focus on if because I feel like chapter this chapter chapter six and chapter five, or more more offer you know the bridge towards okay. So what should we should we be doing? What should we be focusing on? Yeah. So these these two chapters might be you know they're less. I f- I feel like they have been less theoretical. They are. And yeah, yeah. More you know more towards uh, targeted towards practitioners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking yeah, of so, uh, you know redesigning the book. <laughs> yes. Well, we we talked about. I think. Do you remember on Friday we talked about we should write a book and we should just collect all these examples, all these amazing examples of of practitioners that already are on the way of the donut. Mm. You know? We should collect more of them. So also be more of a more of a practical. Uh, yeah. Well, since uh, since we're already ten minutes over the hour, um, <laughs> I, I can ask one more thing: is uh, once we have uh, completed uh, chapter seven, would you be interested in doing a recording of us reading uh, "Designing Regenerative Cultures" by Daniel Wall and publish uh, that yeah. on the on Donut Talks? Okay. And maybe we can Why involve not? What Daniel. about our bucket list? Oh, well, that also that'll also be on the bucket list. <laughs> oh, but we have to okay. keep uh, keep ourselves busy. So, right. So that, that that would be just one. So that's one bucket list item just in itself. It's not a series. You well, know. It's, no, it's just a donut. No, we could do we could do it chapter for chapter or a couple of chapters. But uh, we could do a couple of uh, recordings on on his book and maybe involve mm-hmm. him or maybe a group of people mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I think. Uh, well, anyway, we we should explore that idea. See. Uh, we should. Well, I remember it because we talked about this in the Dutch uh, in the Dutch uh, yeah. podcast yeah. on this chapter, and I was super enthusiastic about it so i do remember it and i definitely want to do something with it but let's just uh, keep it open in which format we, uh, we are going to do it it's de- it, it, it can definitely be part of donut talks but I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to tackling our, our bucket list yep so uh it, it's either part of the bucket list or it's a series after we've done the bucket list that we have so that, that basically is my thought on it great okay well uh, enough for today yes Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week. Okay then. Bye bye. Bye.